Hey, would you do me a favor this morning? Let's give God an ovation. Let's stand as we read his word this morning just to honor him. I love this uh, little letter that we're working our way through. So if you're uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me, please, over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, uh, we just started last week this um, series on hope, which to me is the overarching theme of what 1 Peter is all about. And today we find ourselves in verse 3 through verse 12. And uh, once you turn to, um, to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 through 12, uh, put your finger there or a bulletin or whatever, and I want you just to listen. I just want you to listen to the Word as it's being read this morning. Would you do that? So... Um, <clears throat> So that bumper was actually taken as passage. You've sang some really, really good songs, and you've sang with passion this morning. I love passion. And so I want you just to uh, think about this as I, as I read. Um, hope. Hope. Do we, um, we live in a, in a time where um, a lot of people think that there's no, there is no such thing as hope. Um, I don't want this to sound bad, but sometimes I wonder if the words that we sing in those songs with such passion, um, if we really buy into them. Totally. Totally. So um, it's what I want us to look at today. I want to challenge you with this. So listen. Just listen. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, it's undefiled, and it's unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this, in this, you rejoice, though now for a, for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, that it may be, your faith, that it may be found to result. You're going to learn something about what I learned on that verse. In praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, 
you believe in him and you rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, which is the salvation of your souls. Now concerning this salvation, the prophets, we studied Malachi for seven weeks, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you, us. The prophets saw us. They saw themselves serving us by digging up, searching about the Christ. That they were not serving themselves, but you, in the things that have now been announced to you through those who preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. That is incredible that angels are peering into the very thing that we are talking about today. Isn't that good? So this is a good passage. It's one of my mostest favorite passages in this whole, whole little letter. So we're going to have some fun with it. Are you ready to dig? You want to learn? You want to be challenged? You want to grow? And then we're going to be doers of the word and not just good hearers only today. Okay? So why don't you be seated? Keep your Bibles open. Obviously, we started this last week. We learned a little bit about Peter. I'm not going to go into that. If you want to know what I shared, go online and listen. But you know, there is something about Peter that people just like. People, people just sort of, they, they relate to Peter. Peter just seems to be a normal guy. He seems to be a guy that puts his foot in his mouth oftentimes. He says crazy things. He made some mistakes. He wanted to do the right thing. Sometimes he absolutely did the wrong thing. He was a guy that could be higher than a kite and lower than a snake's belly. He was a guy that lost hope and then found a new hope, a living hope that absolutely rocked his world. And he's writing to a group of people that are in the midst of suffering and pain. We peered into the first part of it last week in that these people were living in the time of Nutso Nero. I just gave him that first name. I know you appreciate that. Nero, who really was a lunatic. And, and I, I shared with you a little bit of that last week. So the political persecution, the political suffering that these Christians, most of them were new Christians, 
They were called aliens. They were living in a land that was opposed to this newfound belief system and values that they had. So they were aliens. And but the but the political suffering is not something that you and I in this room can totally grasp hold up today. We've come in here with great freedom today, right? I mean, nobody, nobody shot at you. Nobody was standing at the door checking to see if you were legal to come. I mean, so we don't really know that yet. We may gripe about the government, but we're blessed. We're blessed. Very blessed. I thought I'd at least get one amen, but that's okay. We'll get better. But the social, hear me, the social persecution was very relatable to us. Here's what I mean. The Romans were an interesting group of people. They were a polytheistic group. In other words, they, they worshipped many, many gods. And those various deities, said deities, this village, that village, lots of gods, little g gods, they, they were very influential in every aspect of everyday life for the people in Rome. For example, someone wanting to go to the market, the agora, that to, to buy groceries, to buy something to eat or whatever they would shop for, in order to get into the marketplace, oftentimes they would have to burn an offering of incense just to go into the market. The that burning of that incense was a form of worship to a god, little g, listen closely, to a deity. And, you know, if you were a Roman, it was not a big deal. But what if you were a believer? And, and you had this new belief system and these values, and you had been called to be a distinct people, a set-apart people, a people that lived to be light in a dark world, and you were required to burn a little offering to a little G-God. The education of your children was affected. Because the children would be, you know, sent off to school, and when they would go to a Roman school, and you know, they were big on education, the children, basically their textbooks would be the study of all the different pagan gods. Again, if you're a Roman, that's what you do. But what if, what if you're a, a believer in Jesus Christ and you believe that there is only one God, not many gods, and now you are being taught about the multitude of gods that you would worship based upon things that were going on 
whether your nation was in a war, battle, and you would bow to this God. And, and if the crops weren't doing good, you would bow to this God. So you see what was going on. And so that's what your children would experience when they went to school. Also, the, their, their multiplicity of gods and the worship of all these different gods, it affected their entertainment, going to the, to the movies, going to the theater, the Roman theater. And what would happen is before the play, they would have, very similar to us, they would have commercials. And those commercials, they would basically be of all of the different pagan gods that they were worshiping. And up on the stage, they would have these statues of all these pagan gods. Again, if you're a Roman, huh, you know, I just, what'd you do? But what if, what if you had a new belief system? What if you were trying to live a distinct life, to live out your faith in this one God who had saved you that Peter is writing about? What do you do? How, how, do, you, how do you handle that? And then the last little illustration that I would want to give you at the beginning is that it, it, also, it also affected just everyday life. For example... Bathhouses, Roman bathhouses, were a, they were a big deal. They were pretty common. Very few people had, quote, a, a bathtub, a shower, a bathhouse at their own home unless they were very, very, very wealthy people. Well, so what's wrong with the bathhouses? Well, the bathhouses were co-ed. And at the bathhouses, you would be exposed to the nakedness of your neighbor, male or female, and they to your nakedness. And it was very common that the wine flowed freely. And so you can imagine what would have gone on in the bathhouses during that day and that time. And, and let me bring this a little bit tighter. The big issue, the big problem with this was that if you did not participate, if you didn't go to these events, if you didn't send your kids to the schools, if you didn't go into the market, first of all, you may not get anything to eat, but if you didn't participate, you were very offensive towards these deities, these gods. And, 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 and this is what they were experiencing. Their neighbors began to show hostility to them. People in the, at your place of employment, your work, they would show hostility towards you. And in many cases, and you'll see this as we study this letter, many cases, even in your own home, some of your family members would show hostility towards you. So I was just thinking about this as I, as I dug all this up and found this, of just how 
how that almost sounds like today. It almost sounds like the culture in which we live in. Because if you are a Christian, and I don't know if everybody is in this room, and if you're not, thank you for coming, though, today. But if you were a Christian, and you had this new set of values and belief system, and you worshiped only God, one God, not a multitude of, of, of gods, you only had two options. Number one, to blend in with the culture, just to be like everybody else. Because you don't want to stand out. You don't want to be distinct. Or option number two was to face hostility and suffering. So how, how are you as a Christ follower, how are you to survive this kind of hostility as a Christian? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look... Uh, two pages over, to chapter 5, verse 12. The last part of verse 12. So he says, and as this letter is finishing, and obviously we'll get there, but, but this is really important for you to see this morning. He says, in the, just sort of the middle of the verse, he says, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Now, if you remember last week, this grace, this grace was not an, an exit card to get you out of problems. It was the same kind of grace that Paul learned, your grace is sufficient when I'm going through tough times. That's the grace. Sometimes we think that God's grace would be to get me out of a mess when in essence, it's to give us the endurance to go through a mess. So that's the grace. Thank you. So he said, this is the true grace of God. Watch this. Stand firm in it. So the question for us today, practical, real life, as a Christ follower, how do we stand firm in it? How do we do that? So what Peter is going to do is that he's going to say over and over and over that we as Christians, we are to be different. Our lives are to be different. We are to be light in a dark world, and we are to stand firm in His grace during times of hostility or suffering or pain. And the obvious question is, how do we do that? And the obvious answer is hope. You knew I was going to say that. <laughs> hope. But the more immediate question for us this morning is, is this. Yeah, I get it. We just sang about that living hope. Yes, I get it. But when the heat is turned up, and the hostility comes, how do we sustain that hope? I think that's the important question for us today. That's what today is all about. And I'm going to give you the answer up front 
Because everything's going to point to this answer as we walk through this text. And the answer is, how do we sustain? How do we keep that hope up when things aren't going good, when I'm suffering, hurting, going through hostility? Here's the answer. Write it down, etch it in your mind, in your heart, and it's simply this. You must have an eternal perspective. Okay? You must have a what? An eternal perspective. What I mean by that is you must begin to see your life, and some of it's not fun, but you must see your life in the bigger picture of what God is doing in your life, what he's done for you, what he's doing in you, and what he will do through you. That's what this is all about. So he begins in verse 3 about this living hope. He talks about this mercy. So let's sort of walk through this passage together this morning. Verse 3, great verse, great song, great verse to write music over. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so here's... Peter, he knows what it is to experience hopelessness, and he knows what it is to experience a living hope. And here he is writing to us, saying to us, to get the right perspective, to look internally, to look at our life in the big picture of what God is up to, what God is doing. He said, bless the Lord, bless God. According to his great mercy, that he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. The very first thing that he wants us to look at, that we've got to see. So this eternal perspective, because we get caught up in this, oh, look at my life right now. Look what I'm going through. Oh, poor me. If God really cared about me, I wouldn't be going through this. Show me that one in the Bible, by the way. That's not there. He wants you to look at what God has done, and he talks about his mercy. Peter begins thinking, thinking and causing us to want to look at the mercy of God in our life. You know, you know a lot about mercy. Here's, here's one of the things that I think is very important for you to understand about mercy. Re religion says we are good, God owes us. Christianity says we are evil, but God has extended mercy to us. He has saved us, and he has given us, according to this verse, a living an alive hope. And I'll explain that to you. You see, hope, hope is what you, what you look forward to on the other side of pain. It's what you look forward to on the other side of suffering. Hope is what tells you that everything's going to be okay, that it's going to be worth it. You know, the, the desire for hope is, is a universal human experience. I found a very interesting story 
that I, I want to just share a little bit of it. You Maybe you've read or heard of, of Victor Frankl. He was a, a Jewish-Austrian psychoanalyst, and he was imprisoned in Auschwitz in the death camp. He later wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. Anybody read that book? Okay, good, good. So you know what I'm, where I'm going. And in that book, he, he begins to talk about how people responded to what was going on around them in the death camps and, and how, they, how they saw hope, how they would define hope. And I, I'm going to read, so forgive me for reading. He's, but he, he goes like, it goes like this. He, he said, some of the prisoners responded to their hopeless situation by becoming brutal and cruel themselves. Part bitterness, part a quest for power. You could see that. He said others, others, he wrote, quote, usually this happened quite suddenly they gave up. The symptoms of which were familiar to us experienced camp inmates. We, in other words, we saw this all the time. He said we all feared for, the, for this moment in our friends. Usually it began one morning when the prisoners simply refused to get dressed or wash or go out to the parade grounds for inspection. No entreaties, no blows, no threats had any effect. They just lay there. They had given up. Nothing bothered them anymore because they had no hope. And then he said many held on to their hope that if they, if they could just stay alive, that their health, their family, their professional achievements, their fortune, and their position in society would be restored to them. That was their hope. If I can just hang on, then when I get out, everything's going to be great. That was their hope. And he said, after liberation, though, he said, many of those people went home and they found that those things were irretrievably gone and they went into deep depression and even committed suicide. Their hopes had been shattered. But now watch this. Don't miss this. But, but he said that the ones who truly overcame Auschwitz were those who had a fixed reference point beyond the world, something they held on to that was out of the grasp of death and destruction. An eternal perspective. They saw beyond what they could see all around them every day. They had a fixed focus, a focal point, and that's what Peter is saying that trials and pain, they begin to expose where our hope really is. You know what I mean? For many of us, hope is simply that maybe our, our circumstances in life will change and we say, you know, one day, one day I'll get that recognition I deserve. One day people will like me. One day I'll get that good job. One day I'll be married. And that's how many people live. And if those things don't come to fruition, they lose hope and they go into despair 
and they give up and people live very bitter lives because they have anchored their hope in circumstances around here. Better job, friends, whatever. And they miss the point of what Frankel says in his book and what Peter is teaching is that we have an eternal perspective, something bigger than just who we are. Peter says we have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And there is this inheritance, there is this assurance of a living hope, but an assurance of an inheritance, an inheritance that nobody can touch. I was thinking about this as I was studying this week that, you know, I, I hear people oftentimes that are maybe a little envious of, of people who, kids that are growing up and their families are very wealthy and they come from money and, and people become very envious that, that these kids growing up have such a secure financial future. Oh, I wish, you know, I had that. Friend, do you realize what you have? You have the securest, the most secure future of all people. And this is where, I mean, this is, the key, this is it. This is like, let's stand up and jump up and down and get excited. Some of you shouted on a song. This is shouting material right here. The very thing that did this for Peter was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was it. That was that reference point. It was something glorious, something wonderful, something beyond the scope of this world. An inheritance and a hope that death Disease, suffering, pain, hostility could not touch. Something that is so glorious that it makes all the pain worth it. And Peter is saying to us, raise your sights above your circumstances and set your eyes upon eternal perspective, upon your inheritance. Now, think about his story. Why was this such a big, a big deal? The resurrection was that thing for Peter, obviously, because Peter's darkest, darkest hours had been when Jesus died. I mean, everything, everything fell apart for him. His whole life had been based upon the fact that this person that he had been following for three, three and a half years was the Messiah, but now Jesus had died. And so that Friday and Saturday was a time of utter despair. He had put his hope in Jesus. And Friday, you can see it, right? Friday and Saturday was tough. Peter was so disappointed. But you know where I'm going. But Sunday, he goes to the tomb, and the tomb is empty. And Jesus appears to this one that had said, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. Can you imagine? 
can you, can you feel that? I mean, I know we're distant from it. But can you imagine what that must have been like for Peter? His sadness turns to joy. His despair is turned into triumph. And he realizes that the whole time, this is eternal perspective, that the whole time God had a plan. Yes, Friday and Saturday hurt and were painful, but there was a Sunday coming that turned all of that around. So I just want to ask you something. And I may not get a lot further. Are you living in Friday or Saturday? Right now. Is this a Friday or a Saturday for you where you feel hopeless? Where you feel in despair? Or maybe things feel like they're collapsing on you? Because it, it hurts, a lot of, hurts a lot of people. I want to tell you, based upon the Word of God, there is a great Sunday morning coming in eternity. It's having the right perspective. If your perspective... Does this make sense? Okay. If your perspective is just this little world, you will find yourself in a lot of Fridays and Saturdays. But it's when you have an eternal perspective, when you have a focal point, when you begin to see the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that is a game changer. J.R. Tolkien described the resurrection as a time when every sad thing becomes untrue. Is that good? Every sad thing. Oh, my God. And then Sunday, all of that stuff was untrue. It was untrue. So um, I got a lot more, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to uh, try to be honest and truthful to our time today because I know some of you started your ABF class at 2 o'clock last Sunday afternoon. This whole concept of eternal perspective. And Rocky, you can, you can come on down here. It just feels like I just got up here. Make me feel good. Say, hey, it was, you know. It's just, it's just so good, Larry. I just, you know, you've only been up there two minutes. So here's what I want to leave with you this morning. What if, what if you saw your life through the lens of the cross and the resurrection? Now, don't put your purses away. It's in time to go. I'm quitting early. Well, earlier. What if you begin to see your life through the lens of the cross? That Jesus taking 
But he's taking all this. That's what verses 10 through 12 is. The prophets that wrote to us, Malachi, they knew about this was coming and they were searching and looking and the Bible says that the angels are peering into this. It's the gospel, by the way. It's the gospel. It's the gospel message. So what if, if you could just get an eternal perspective, lift your, lift your head up, and know that there is a Sunday coming. But you've, you've got to believe in the resurrection. Faith is based upon two things. You've got to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And by the way, if the resurrection wasn't true, if anybody would have said, hogwash, it would have been Peter. It changed his life. It changed his life. And the second thing that will give you this faith is the gospel message. The gospel. That you are lost. You need a savior. God met that greatest need by coming to earth in the person of Christ who lived, who went to that cross, who was buried, and three days later, he rose from the dead. So I want to invite you this morning to do this. I'm going to invite you, first of all, to stand. Okay? For Peter, this living hope was not only that Jesus Christ was alive, but it was that he could be alive. That's the game changer for us. So it moves from that was a great historical event to it becomes a personal experience in my own life. That's our hope. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. You know that? Do you know that, Jesus? Do you know Him? Have you experienced a living hope because He is alive? You can. You can. And so today, if you're here and you've never You've never experienced that hope. Today seems more like a Friday or a Saturday. I'd love to pray with you, talk to you. You can join our church. You can come. You can walk these aisles. There'll be pastors here at the front to meet you, greet you, pray with you. Let me just pray for you as we, before we start singing as Rocky comes. Oh God, um, this really is such rich, rich stuff. Life-changing verses. Very practical, applicable. We, we understand the hostility, but Lord, we know that in the big scheme of things, if we only look at that which is around us, we'll miss that which has secured our salvation and our inheritance. So God, um, even through the fumbling of my words today, I believe, Lord, that you are speaking to people today that would love to get out of that Friday, Saturday and experience Sunday. So God, um, cause people to, to find a living hope today. Speak into their lives.